0: This morning, Proverbs 22, verse 6, one verse for you. You've probably heard this verse. But I want to say something about Proverbs before we get into it. If, you, if you've been around, we've talked about Proverbs from time to time. Proverbs is not a book of promises. It's a book of wisdom. So it's a book of, if you do this, this will generally happen. This is, this is generally the way things will turn out if you do these things. And so this verse we're looking at this morning is a perfect example of that because I've had parents come up to me over my time in ministry come and say, you know what, I did everything right. Of course, no parent does everything right. I did everything right. You know, I raised them as best I could according to God's Word and raised them going to church and doing all those things, and they still wandered off. They still went off and did their own thing. They didn't, they didn't grow in the way that I thought they would, and so why didn't they do that? And I think it's one of the reasons we get frustrated is because we have A false idea that this is a promise that if we train up our children in the way that they should go, it's a guarantee that when they grow up, they won't walk away from it. And that's just not true. That's not how this verse and how this book of Proverbs work. It's a general statement, though, and so the best practices for us as followers of Jesus Christ, as people who are, who are in God's kingdom, these are what you might call best practices for how you ought to live your life, how you ought to run your business, how you should do things in life, and if you follow these, things are going to go well with you. And so this verse, I, I wanted to kind of preface that so we can uh, get that understanding from the very beginning. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old he will not depart from it. How many of you have heard that before? Raise your hands if you will. Yeah. A lot of us have heard that before. We We heard that a lot growing up, and, you know, that was one of the reasons that, you know, our parents would talk about we got to be in church. For us, it was every Sunday and every Sunday night and most Wednesdays, and we had revivals. We had a fall revival, and we had a spring revival. Sometimes there would be a winter revival, and we'd have, you know, church picnics and camps and all kinds of stuff. I mean, we were just, we were always at church, and this was one of the reasons. You know, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And this is, I think, a true statement, But again, not a promise. So this morning, I want to to talk two things. I've got an illustration to kind of wrap things up, and we'll be done before you know it. First, I want to talk to us as parents or adults, us as parents or adults who have influence in the lives of younger people around us. We've kind of lost a lot as a society in terms of multi-generational life, and the church has been a culprit of that, and we're trying to come up with ways to kind of restore some of the multi-generational life uh, that used to exist in the church and and in our world. But uh, one of the great losses, I think, of of moving away from a multi-generational approach to living to a, I'm going to surround myself with people my age— people who, who like all the same things that I like, all that do all the same things that I do, is that, is that we've lost the wisdom and insight from people who have gone before us who, who know when they see us going down a road that, they're, that we're going in a, in a bad direction, we're headed for trouble, and we don't have the influence of those who are a generation or two or three generations ahead of us to be able to say, you know what, I see where you're going, and I went there, so don't. I think that's one of the things that we're, we're lacking not only as a society but as the church and America is that we're, we've kind of lost this multi-generational approach to, to raising kids and bringing kids up in the right way, the way that Christ would have us bring them. So for us as adults here in the church, I think what we need to do is we need to maybe start thinking a little more intentionally about the values and the virtues that drive us and the way that we do our life. You may have been raised in a Christian house. You may have been raised with maybe not Christian parents, but parents who had specific virtues and specific values, and and those were put into you as you were growing up, and so you just kind of inherited them because you grew up under that certain set of values and virtues. What are the values and virtues that we are raising our kids with in our homes and in our church today? What are the values and virtues that that you are putting into and influencing the younger people around you as you interact with them? It doesn't require you to be a parent and to have kids of your own. You still have the opportunity to reflect and to instill virtue and value into the lives of younger people around our church. And in fact, one of the things that I have appreciated, you know, we moved up to my grandfather's farm a little over a year ago, and we have family that lives close by now, which we've never had. So, one of my, uh, my uncle who works the farm, it's a tree farm, a working tree farm, he lives right up the road, and he's at our house a lot of the time because that's where the equipment is for the farm. And, but he's kind of become, a, you know, a, a, a figure of authority for my kids and I like that I think that's healthy because my kids now get to experience other adults and respect other adults and they and they have authority coming to them from other adults same thing with other family members and so I, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it when, when uh, other adults you know, exert authority or correction or instill virtue or say you shouldn't do that or you should do that. If you come flying down the hill you know, on your bike, that's probably not a good idea because you might go flying off at the bottom. You know, those are good things that I appreciate that are being instilled into my kids, and it's not only through me. And I appreciate the same thing around here when, when other adults kind of help if they see one of my kids doing something they shouldn't do. And then they kind of say, you know what, let's, let's not do that for now, and then if that's a problem, then we can go talk to your dad, and I, I appreciate it, and I, in fact, would love to see more of that. I don't want to see more, like, tattletale. It's like, your son did, and just, like, you know, but just kind of coming alongside in a loving, encouraging way to my kids and helping them grow up in the way that they should go. Training up a child in the way he should go is not just a thing for parents to do, it's a thing for us as the community of Christ to do with the children God has entrusted us with here at 6 Eight Church. But training up a child is also something that's important for children. So kids, I would like to have your attention for two or three minutes if I can. I'm going to give you some homework to help get you ready for school, which is gonna start up in just a few weeks. So here, kids, is what I would like you to do. Parents are gonna hate me for this. But I think it'll get us going in a good direction as a church, if we'll follow through. A lot of you do know where I live. (laughs) Kids, your parents will often give you a do or a don't, right? Right, they'll say, don't do this. What would be an example of something your parents tell you not to do? Running with scissors. Running with scissors that's a good one. <laughs> no cutting bed with a steak knife. Don't cut the bed with a steak knife. That is a great, <laughs> great a principle. <laughs> uh, don't run in the house. <laughs> Any other examples? Don't do this. Someone raise their hand. Don't uh, cut a TV with a stick knife. Don't cut a TV with a stick knife. Okay, different variations. I don't, who are you pointing at, Rylan? Matthew. Oh, okay, you're behind me. Don't leave the vacuum running on the couch. Don't scream in the house. In the house. Yes, that is a great lesson. Any other, any other things our parents have told us? Don't wake, the baby. Don't wake the baby. That's a good one. Don't kick soccer balls in the house don't mess up your room. <laughs> All right, so how about has, have kids, have uh, your parents ever said don't lie? Anyone said, any of your parents ever tell you don't lie, don't tell lies, you need, you need to tell the truth. Any, anyone ever, and no kids are going to raise their hands because no one wants to admit to telling a lie, because if you have heard that, then you've told a lie at some point in time, but So, what I would, kids, I would like for you to do, and don't do this with everything because I know how this would go in my house. I would hate my life pretty quick. But if your parents say, don't lie, ask them this question What does the Bible say about lying? Parents, you see why you're going to hate me now? What does the Bible say about lying? What do you think the Bible says about lying? Don't lie. lie. (laughs) That's a good, good answer. The reason I think this will help is that if we help our kids from when we say things, you know, we, we maybe have an understanding as parents, don't lie tell the truth. That's a good thing. But why do we tell the truth? And if we can go to God's Word and we can help our kids understand God says this is the way we should do it, then we're going to help instill the virtue that God wants them to have, not only the virtue that we think our kids should have. Now, we'll also quickly discover that not all of the virtues we have are able to be proved and backed by Scripture. But kids, that does not mean that your parents are wrong. Cleaning your room is a good thing, even if it's not in the Bible. What? <laughs> Cleanliness is in the Bible? Yeah, obey your parents. That's in the Bible. But uh, why... I want to get to the why just a little bit before... I want to understand why living by virtues and values is important. Why is it important to have things that, that guard our lives? Why is it important that, that we have principles to kind of fall back onto, that, that when we're in a situation that we may not know what to do, why is it important? And um, it's important that we, that we know that telling the truth is important, but why is it important? I asked John Steinman if he had a compass I could borrow. And so he brought me this awesome compass that I promised not to steal. That would be bad. The Bible says, thou shalt not steal. But um, it's a compass. Now, has anyone ever used a compass? You guys have a compass pho- an app on your phone? A lot of you have an app on your phone for a compass, right? Do you guys have apps on your phone for a compass? A lot of you may not even know that it's there. I- all iPhones have a compass, so you should pull that out real quick and open it, because they're awesome. Do a search for compass. I'll show you what it looks like on here. So so here is the compass, but you have to go through this thing uh, called calibrating, which we'll talk about in just a minute, but here's here's the compass on the iPhone, and we'll see how accurate it is according to this. Pretty. Pretty close. See, so let's see if I can show you how close they are. See, they're lined up right at north, right there, see? Pretty accurate. How many of you have ever had to use a compass to navigate? All right, so what do we do with a compass when we're we're out trying to navigate through somewhere? John was kind of giving me the... The, the 101 here. What do you do with a compass when you are out in the middle of nowhere and you need to find your way? What's one of the first things we do? Set a point of reference. Point of reference. Point of reference. Point of reference. Maybe before that. We have to find north. Yeah, we have to find north. And we have to know where, started. Know where we started. And know where we want to go, right? <laughs> yeah, so so we know we need to know where we are. We need to know where north is, and we need to know where we want to go. So once we know those things, so for for instance, let's say we wanted to go out to Washugal, where I used to live. So to do that, we know that it's it's a little bit south, but mostly just east from here. So here I have my compass lined up with this little dash on it. That John showed me how to use, and so I want to go east a little bit. You know, probably about uh, what, 70 degrees is what I want to do. So John was kind of showing me. I can, I can kind of set, put this thing the direction I want to go, and set this thing to north. Bring this all the way around. Put this. And then if you're a pro, John was saying you can sight you can it through this thing, and you've got this little sight you can use and a line that's going to tell you which way to go. And then you find, Russ said, a point of reference out there, right? A, a fixed point of reference, something that's not going to move, and you walk towards that point of reference. And then when you get there, you check again to make sure that you're going in the right direction, right? Does that, does that sound about right, if close enough? I could probably get almost all the way there uh, using those principles, almost. Well, that kind of depends on a few things, right? It depends on at least one key component, and that is that this compass knows which way north is, right? How does this compass know which way north is? Magnetism, magnetic north, the magnetic north pole. And so you know this line is always going towards the north pole. What would happen if, like some people are theorizing right now, there was a polar shift? Which way would our compass point? That would still point to the north, wouldn't it? (laughs) It's because we're closer to the north pole than we are to the south pole. If we get down to the south, it would point... Maybe? I don't know. I'm just theorizing. We don't really know because we haven't lived through a polar shift. So, But what would happen if I brought out a magnet and I started kind of messing around or say I had a little magnet in my hand while I was using this thing and I started throwing off the needle so it wasn't pointing to true north anymore? I'd probably get really lost, wouldn't I? I probably get way out in the middle of nowhere and have no idea how to get where I'm supposed to go because I don't have what we've talked about many, many times before, a fixed point, not just a fixed point of reference, but a fixed point that is outside of who we are. So now magnetic north is not going to change, and I can use that to navigate by, just like sailors in the past used the north star to navigate, navigate by. Uh, We can use north to navigate by. This is the same for us when it comes to values and principles. We have to have a true north that orients us in the right direction. We have to have a true north that we can use, something that we can go to that tells us what we are supposed to do in any given situation. This is why we talk so much about Scripture and about God's Word, is because God's Word the, the, the 66 books he's given us here in the Bible serve for us as this point of reference that is outside of who we are to be able to navigate. Now, let's talk about how things might change if we stopped using an external point of reference. So let's imagine that instead of using magnetic north to navigate, I start using my own magnets, and I'm just going to decide that for today, north is that way. Now, north is this way, in case you wanted to know, north is that way, and it's always that way, but just, just because I decide, I don't feel like north being that way anymore, I feel like north being this way now, so um, I'm just going to decide that this is north, And so everything in my life is going to be based around the fact that that's north and that's the direction I'm going to base everything else in my life off. Can you see why we need to have something outside of who we are to kind of set the rules? This is why it's so important that we go to God's word and let him set the course for our lives because God exists outside of our present and current reality. He doesn't live in the time frame that we live in. He doesn't live in the moment that we live in. So he lives outside of that. He's not confined by those, those types of things. So he's not going to make a decision based on time like we would make a decision based on time because he exists outside of time. God is bigger. God is greater than that. So we need to go to that point of reference that's outside that can see and objectively create a set of rules for us to live our lives by inside the system. This is how we as Christians should operate. We go to God's Word and we say, what does your Word say about how I ought to live my life? What does your Word say about how I ought to raise my kids? What does your Word say about how I ought to treat my spouse? What does your Word say about how I should work as as a Christian in the workplace? What does God's Word say about these things? We need to go to what God says and follow God's, uh, God's guidance and God's principles for what He says we should do in these things because He has created the system from the outside. He's the true north. This is the true north that He's given us to guide our lives by. And when we get off of this, we start to experience chaos, right? Just look at the world that we live in. The world that we live in does not run by the same set of rules and principles, We live in a world that that decides from day to day, if not hour by hour, what is right and wrong, and what is right today will not necessarily be right tomorrow, and what was right 10 years ago is not right today. What's right today will not be right 10 years from now. Right and wrong are constantly changing because we are deciding from within the system what right and wrong are. And when we're deciding from within the system what right and wrong are, we're always going to get it wrong. Think about how you felt this last week. Think about maybe the worst day and the best day that you had. Think about your attitude on that worst day. Not going to go too far down that road. But then imagine making critical life decisions with your mindset on that worst day and how you're feeling and thinking on that worst day. How are you going to decide what's going to happen? Well, it's probably going to be a little bit pessimistic, right? If you had a bad day on Thursday you're going, and you're deciding some major life decision, you're probably going to decide in a negative, pessimistic kind of way, well, this is not going to work out, so I'm not going to go do that. But let's imagine then on Friday you have the best day. You have a phenomenal day. Everything is great. Everything is going your way. You can't do anything wrong. And so you decide on Friday you are going to do something massive and major with your life. And then Saturday comes and you have no idea what to do because on Thursday everything was awful. On Friday everything was great. Saturday comes and life hits and you just don't know which way to go. We cannot make our decisions for our life based on our own attitudes and our own frame of reference from within the life that we lead because we are fickle, unpredictable people. Right? We're, I guess there's a lot of predictability about who we are as humans, but, but we change our minds on a day-by-day basis. I don't want to decide what's right for you and I don't want you to decide what's right for me. I hope you don't take that personally. So why should we then allow other human beings within the system to decide what's right and wrong? Because I have a question. Who gets to decide? If it's within the system, who gets to decide? Who gets to decide when you're within the system is majority, right? Whoever's voice is the loudest. But just because something is popular does not make it right. There are a lot of things that have been popular over my lifetime, and and for some of you, there are things that have been popular that were prior to my time on this earth that you know if you followed those examples, those things that were popular for that moment in time, you would have been led far off course. What's popular is not how we decide what's right. We don't, we don't vote on what truth is. We don't vote on what is right and wrong. What is right and wrong has been established for us from the beginning when God created the system. So one of the reasons I love the book of Proverbs is because the book of Proverbs shows how the whole system kind of functions. It's looking at God's wisdom and applying it to this life and, and just kind of living it out on a practical day-by-day level. It's a great thing for you to read one chapter a, a day, and it's 30, uh, 31 chapters. You can read one a day, go through the book in a month, and you can just kind of cycle through and just soak your life in the wisdom of Proverbs. But it just kind of tells us this is the way you ought to live, and if you live this way, you will prosper. So as we head into the rest of the series, and I'm just about done, I want us to really think about what we are using to navigate this world. What do you use to navigate the world that you're walking through? When tomorrow comes and something strikes us in the news, some bad news, which is always posted every day, there's some kind of bad news, bad story, how are you going to respond? What are you going to use to navigate that crisis? Maybe something bad is going to happen to one of us this week, and and we're going to find ourselves being strained and stressed beyond what we've been used to. How are we going to navigate that crisis? Or... Maybe something's going to go really great for us, and we're going to have an opportunity put down before us, and we're going to have this decision that we have to make. Do I decide to go after this great opportunity, or do I go the direction that God has already given me to go? How are you going to make that decision? What tools are you going to be able to pull out of your bag to be able to navigate that decision? And this is one of the reasons I was asking the kids to ask parents about what the Bible says is because sometimes I don't know what the Bible says about something. I've just heard this and, and inherited it from my parents and I need to actually go look it up so that I am using the compass, not just traditions. So I think we need to be careful and we need to kind of set a course as people of God here at 6-8 Church that we will be committed to in our personal lives, in our family lives, in our church lives, to always go to this compass and find true north about where we're going. And when we find ourselves getting a little off track, we probably just need to go back and look and see what we've been using to navigate for a while. And that might be what got us off course. Next week, we're going to get into some of the specific values that we're looking at, and uh, we're going to start with truth because it all starts there, and uh, we haven't talked about it real in depth for a while, so hopefully you'll come back and hear us when we talk about truth and why truth is important. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this group of men and women and young men and women and children who are here. I thank you for the families that are represented in this room. I thank you for the generations that are represented here. I thank you for the influence that uh, you have put in my life and in our lives from those who have gone before us and the ways that we have allowed people who have gone ahead of us to kind of guide us and correct us and direct us. Father, I pray that you would just use your word over the next course of weeks to establish in us a frame of reference, something that we can look at to guide us on a day-to-day basis, that we would not allow ourselves to be tossed about to and fro by the waves of the constant changing and shifting of this world that we live in, but that when we are, when we are being surrounded by the storm and the waves and the concerns of life, that we would be able to navigate even through the darkest of times because we know what your word says about how we ought to live life in this present time. Father, change our hearts and our minds away from those principles that we have acquired from the world that do not click or do not go uh, at peace with what your word says we should be doing, how your word says we should be living. Father, help us to walk away from those, to repent of those, and to walk towards your word and your ways that you created this world on from the very beginning. And Father, help us to, to be dependent only on you for that guidance, not on one another, not on this world, but that we would have such a relationship with you that we know what you would want us to do. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that through the work of the cross we have grace to cover the mistakes and the choices that we've made in navigating this life, that that we haven't lived perfectly and that those are covered by your grace, but that you also give us, through your Son, Jesus Christ, the hope to live a life full of grace. The hope to live a life full of good works. The hope to live a life full of the truth of God's word. That you give us everything we need for life and godliness and that if we will allow ourselves to be filled with your spirit, to be filled with your truth, that you will lead us in the way everlasting. So Father, I pray as we take communion, as we remember those things, that that you would put on our hearts just a deep-seated passion and desire to be more committed to your truth and to your ways and to your guidance and to anything else that would come across our path. In Jesus' name.